Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Billy Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go Billy Up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan can be tough in Nashville, Tennessee. Why? Because of the roots of a long-standing AFC Central rivalry that dates all the way back to 1970. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, let's get the show started. Look, I have no papers today to put in the microphone because I lost my notes. I don't know where they are. So let's go with the open. NFL historians, lovers of sports history, pull up a chair, get comfortable, take off your shoes, unless your feet stink. Okay? But this show is for you. It's not for you know-it-alls. Y'all can kick rocks with no shoes. Find another show. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to enlighten, teach, and learn. It's the Behind the Mic Podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. We are presented by Belly Up Sports, the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, bellyupsports.com. You can catch us on our main vein, which is Spreaker, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and also YouTube. So, all right, we got to get right to it. Look, we are actually a day late. Actually, what, some hours late? It's 7.38 on Wednesday night. My show drops at 6 a.m. every Wednesday. FedEx has been whooping me, okay? And then the Christmas stuff has been whooping me on the side. So please forgive me. This show is going to drop late tonight, and week 16 is going to start tomorrow. But get the show in, and you'll go right on into the next uh, week of NFL action. But for right now, here's my quick rundown. Week 15, look, I hate COVID. I hate COVID, just got to deal with it, live with it, all right? Week 15 was just one of those adjustment weeks. Saturday, we were down to, what, one game instead of two. The Browns and Raiders was moved to Monday afternoon at 4 o'clock. The Rams and the Seahawks game was moved to Tuesday, as well as the Washington football team going to Philadelphia. That was moved as well. And we look like we may have some more of that stuff happening with the rate that COVID is moving around. Look, I mean, it's, it's wintertime. And that's when stuff was going to really start to pick up COVID-wise. But there are adjustments that are made, and we can still enjoy football. So we had that extra Monday night game, you know, and whatever. That was great. And two games on Tuesday. So we enjoyed it. An extended week, right? Thursday night football is where everything started. Chiefs and Chargers, two words, instant classic. The Chargers basically had Kansas City kind of dead to rights several times, but they could not put them away. I just pray that the Chiefs will be able to play this week. God, I hate COVID. Saturday night football, we was down to one game. Patriots at the Colts. This one blindsided me. 
how the Colts, they just manhandled the Patriots and Indianapolis running back Jonathan Taylor just cannot be stopped. Moving to Sunday, look, Cam Newton couldn't do it all for the Panthers. They were playing at Buffalo and the Bills, they stopped the two-game bleeding to move to 8-6 for now, winning 31-14. to Cardinals at the Lions. Look, this is for the fans, mainly Cardinals fans, who may or may not have made fun of Pittsburgh or Vikings fans who played Detroit this year. Of course, Pittsburgh, they played the Lions to a tie. And the Cardinals, y'all just got trashed on Sunday. The NFL is the NFL, but come on, Arizona. Personally, I think that their mind was still on last week. No excuses. Uh, the, the Dolphins, they won again. They beat the Jets. What else is new? And I may have misspoke on last week, but Miami has now won six straight games. All right? Okay. Cowboys at the Giants. Something I did not expect to say at any point before the season or during the season. The Dallas defense is far better than the Dallas offense. I just expected more. I did. Yeah, I know the Cowboys won, and but I expected more out of Zeke Elliott. Uh, I expected more out of him. Look, Pollard. He looks a lot better than him at this point. Even though I know deep down that Zeke is the better and more talented running back. The passing game doesn't look good. Dak, you know, it's just not impressive. But Dallas won the game, but it was the Giants. Okay, so I played a lot of basketball in my life. All right, you ever play with that guy at the gym or in the park that dribbles and dribbles and dribbles like James Harden behind the back, crossover through the leg, ah. And then he gets all the way to the cup and he misses a layup. You miss a crib. I've always told that guy, whether he's on my team or not, you got to finish. Titans fans, I know you don't want to hear it, but that ball never should have been spotted past the 10-yard line to begin with. It was a bad spot to begin with. They got it right. You got to finish the game. You lost, all right? Yes, you were the better team, even with some backups. And... I mean, we we were not we're not that great of a team. Pittsburgh is not that great of a team. Yes, I say we. I'm a fan. You should have won the game. Your fault. Your fault. Look, smug. I don't care. The Jags. They're playing their first game post Urban Meyer hosting the Texans in that battle of two eleven teams on on this past Sunday, hosting the Texans. The Texans got that one, and Jacksonville improved their draft position. So, moving to the Sunday after news slate. The Broncos' defense is real. I don't remember what the uh, who the broadcast team was exactly, but I agree with what one of them said. The Broncos, def- the Broncos' defense has played better since Von Miller was traded away. Now, on the other side of the ball, though, Teddy Bridgewater, he's got to stay healthy. I mean, it, it, he's not trying to get concussed. He's not trying to get concussed, and that was, you know, another one of those that was that was scary. He's got to stay healthy. I mean, Denver lost the game. Without him, Denver does not go anywhere. Bengals, they won. The one-time Atlanta offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan welcomes his former team in uh, this past week. And the 49ers, they won their fifth game in six tries. Debo was back. Boom, 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 boom. It's my break, punk. Yeah, Debo Samuel. He's the man. When that guy's on the field, he makes a really, really big difference. One receiver that I know that can make a team better, whether he's running with the football or catching the football, Debo Samuel makes that team tick. And that defense, the offense, they kind of feed off of him. I guess you can say that. 
But, I mean, it was the Falcons. But the Falcons, you got to win those games, right? Good job. Good job. And you won your fifth game uh, in six games. This is the best time to win games because the playoffs are upon us. It is almost over. The season is almost over. Three games left. You better win. Falcons, get ready for the draft. Now, all I can tell you, outside of Bill Belichick, Baltimore Ravens have the best head coach in football right now, John Harbaugh. 17 players on IR. Please correct me if the numbers are wrong. If I remember seeing this right on the graphic during the game, 17 players on IR. Another five or six that were out because of COVID, and then another five inactive. No Lamar Jackson, and they lose to the Packers. Yeah, I know it was at home, but you have all these guys on the shelf. You lose to the Packers by one point. That's all I got to say. All I got to say. Sunday Night Football is getting embarrassing, Tom Brady. I'm just going to be honest with you. Your kryptonite came to town wearing gold and white. And they did not score a touchdown. Tampa Bay did not score a touchdown at home. At home. It doesn't help, though. Yeah, when you lose both of your starting wide receivers, Mike Evans to the hamstring, and then Chris Godwin tears his ACL. And, you know, Antonio Brown, I don't know what's going on with this cat. I mean, dude, I'm so proud of you. And then you're trying to buy the, the, COVID, the fake COVID card. And your team could really use you right now. Really can. And then Leonard Fournette, he goes out. And that's going to hurt them long term, especially with Godwin being gone. And what? Uh, Edwin, uh, Evans is week to week. Uh, it's, not, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. You already struggled, though, even with all of these players on the roster against the Saints. And you lose. Yeah. What are you going to do? Monday afternoon football, I started watching pretty much the whole first half on my phone while I was at work. And I can't say I'm surprised. It was actually a decent game to watch. The Browns down to their third-string quarterback. I know y'all didn't forget about Nick Mullins from San Francisco. He's decent. He played a decent game. It came down to a field goal. And the Raiders won it. Daniel Carlson, he knocked it down, 48-yarder. And then you move to Monday night, Vikings at Bears. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I fell asleep in the second half. I, I was watching, what, midway through the third quarter, I think. And I, I don't remember anything else. I just remember waking up at about 4-something in the morning to get ready for work the next day. And I don't remember. But all I'm going to say about that game is that Kirk Cousins threw for, what, 85 yards? against a defense that was missing their entire secondary during due to COVID. And I think some of the backups too. All right. Okay. <laughs> Tuesday night football, two games at the same time. Washington at the Eagles. I live in the section of the country where that's the game we got. Another interesting quarterback situation. During the broadcast, we were told that Garrett Gilbert, quarterback Garrett Gilbert, was giving his daughter a bath when he got the call uh, that he was basically being traded or pulled from the Patriots practice squad and being moved to the Washington football team. Look, if Washington had won the football game, I would have been really surprised. But Gilbert and that offense, they played as good as they possibly could uh, could against Philly, against that defense, who's playing decent ball. Hardly any practice, hardly any reps with the regulars, learning, uh, having to learn a playbook or a portion of it, on, at the drop of a dime, the Eagles were supposed to win that game. Jalen Hurts, you look pretty good too. So, And then finally, Seahawks at the Rams. Look, I missed that game. I, I didn't get to see it. 
I, I saw highlights. That's it. I can't say anything else. Totally missed it. I don't have that special TV package where I can watch everything like I used to. The Rams won. Seahawks lost. Von Miller finally got his first sack as a Ram. Cooper Cup continues to dice people up catching the football. That's all I got to say about that game. All right? They won it. 20 to 10. As a Pittsburgh Steelers fan living in Nashville, I had to hear a lot of trash talking this past week. Please understand, I root for the Titans every game, except for when they play the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've got to tell this from a neutral perspective, okay? Because you know, I decided to give you guys a break from the scout GM talk. Titans fans should well know the roots of this franchise. They're in Houston. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Houston Oilers have been playing for a long time. And I think it's time for a little history lesson behind this rivalry that goes all the way back to 1970. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, just a little history, you know, just to brush up. The NFL has been in existence since, what, 1920? And after years of other upstart professional leagues, one finally stuck, the AFL. The American Football League played from 1960 to 1969. And in 1970, the NFL and AFL merged. All of the teams that were in the AFL at the time stayed in the newly formed American Football Conference, or the AFC, while a majority of the original NFL teams stayed in the National Football Conference, or, yeah, that's right, the NFC, good job. Three of those NFL teams agreed to move to the AFC. Three million was the number they got to move. The Baltimore Colts, the Cleveland Browns, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The divisions were much different back then. Some of us older heads remember what that was like. Uh, instead of having the AFC uh, and NFC North, South, East, and West, it was simply the East, West, and the Central, okay? Three per conference, six total. The AFC Central, to be exact, was comprised of four teams. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns of the old AFL, and the Cincinnati Bengals and the Houston Oilers, of the AFL. Yes, there was a long-standing rivalry with the Browns that the Steelers had, although it was pretty one-sided. It's one-sided, that is. But two others were born between Cincinnati and Houston. Oilers owner Bud Adams brought in a team that had been to the AFL playoffs five times in 10 seasons. They won the AFL championship the first two years of the AFL's existence. And Four, what was it, four divisional titles, I believe, as well. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, they were a perennial loser, not even having won a playoff game since the team's inception. Polar opposites as far as franchise success, even though the Oilers was much shorter. But no one knew a dynasty was coming. Though, you know, so the, the Steelers and the Oilers, they split games in 1970 and 71. Houston getting the first win, 19-7, in the first game ever played at Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh. After 71, though, 
it was all downhill. From 1970 to 1974, the Houston Oilers were bad. This included back-to-back 1-13 seasons in 72 and 73. And during that period, though, the Pittsburgh Steelers turned into the dynasty that we all know, winning four Super Bowls in six years. It wasn't until 75, 1975 when Houston hired Bum Phillips that things finally started to turn around. Legendary LA Chargers head coach Sid Gilman had been hired by Adams to change things, right? So he had brought in Phillips as the defensive coordinator. Gilman eventually was out and Phillips was in as both the head coach and general manager. I truly believe that it wasn't until 78 and 1979 that these teams became true rivals. They met in back-to-back AFC championships. So this is where my notes were supposed to come in. So right off the top of my head, they came in in 1978. The Steelers, I believe, were 12 and 4. And the Houston Oilers, they were 10 and 6. They made the playoffs as a wild card. And that AFC championship game was not good for Houston. It was a 34 to 5 victory. And it was 31 to 3 at halftime. Very wet, very cold game. And it was really not a contest. And the Steelers went on to win Super Bowl 13 in nice and warm Miami uh, for their third NFL title. Now, in 79, things got a little bit tighter. I believe it was the Browns who actually won the division. And again, the Houston Oilers made it as a wild card. They both were 11 and 5. And the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, 12 and 4. That their year, that year in 79 was a little bit more rough for Pittsburgh because they had a lot of injuries. And you can see the age starting to creep up on them by the end of the 70s. But for Houston, they were really up and coming. They were 11 and 5. They made it to the AFC Championship game. And in the third quarter, many of these people, you, you fans, y'all should remember this. In 1979, in the 79 AFC Championship game, in the third quarter, the game was 17 to 10 Pittsburgh and quarterback Dan Pastorini, he passes to Mike Renfro in the back of the end zone. He makes the catch and he actually does a nice, a beautiful toe tap in the back corner of the end zone. And everybody thinks it's a touchdown. Pastorini thinks it's a touchdown. Renfro definitely thinks it's a touchdown. He's laying on his back, pointing up in the air. Yeah, I scored. And even Myron Cope, who you can hear on the broadcast, thinks it's a touchdown. There's no instant replay yet. That doesn't come until 1976, all right? And the referees, you can see them confer, and then the head ref comes in and waves incomplete. And Bum Phillips is cussing, and you can see the camera in the booth on, y'all know Wade Phillips. Yeah, that's Bum's, that was Bum's, that's Bum's son. He's cussing and jumping up and down in the in the booth. You mother, you know, he's he's giving it to him. And they settled for a field goal. That was the last points that the Houston Oilers would score. The Steelers were going to win that game 27 to 13. I mean, yeah, if they score and they tie the game, that's still no guarantee of an Oilers victory. They're playing, they play both of these games in Pittsburgh, by the way. No Astrodome. But again, the Steelers go on to win that cha- that next championship, uh, their final championship, their fourth Super Bowl in six years against the LA Rams. And again, during the season, you can see it coming. And they kind of struggled 
getting on uh, the Rams, who many would argue could have won that game. But that really, to me, started that rivalry. Now, according to Ed Bouchette, a longtime writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and I quote, uh, that the uh, the Steelers were helped into the playoffs in 77 by beating Cincinnati on the final day in a meaningless game for the Oilers. The Houston Oilers beat Cincinnati. And the Steelers players were so appreciative, they brought briefcases for all the Oilers. In 78, the Oilers made the playoffs as a wildcard team, like I said, and they lost to the Steelers in the AFC title game. 79, Houston went 75 to make it as a wild card again. They lost again in the title game. That winner, Phillips, uh, their coach, uh, claimed that the door to the Super Bowl went through Pittsburgh, which was true, and promised that the Oilers would, quote, kick the kick the door in, end quote. They never did. Uh, that not nah, It never did happen. So the Steelers, like I said, they were going to win the Super Bowl both of those seasons. And one thing I remember about that game uh, is that the 79 seasons that the Steelers had a lot of injuries, like I said earlier. And although they were the best team in the, in the league, you could tell they were starting to get old. Heading into the 80s, you could clearly see the Steelers' dominance was coming to an end. And the Houston Oilers would fare even worse. But fortunes would change in the 90s and heading into the 2000s. Of course, a change of scenery and city for the Houston Oilers. And the rivalry would still carry on. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So the 1980s, they were different for the Steelers and the Oilers. I mean, it was, you know, just up and down, if I can say it simply. You could point to the age, uh, old age, and there's reasons for changes in sports, right? The rivalry would no longer feature the Hall of Fame players that built the Steelers dynasty, nor some of the good ones for Houston. Uh, there were going to be no more Mean Joe Greens, uh, L.C. Greenwoods, Terry Bradshaw's, Lynn Swans, Earl Campbell's, retirement, injuries, trades. Those are the things that always change the team, right? Pittsburgh missed the playoffs in 1980 after that Super Bowl season. Two straight years they would miss, miss the playoffs. 80 and 81, they got back. I think they were 6-3 and three during the strike-shortened season. And they were one game shy of making the Super Bowl going all the way to 84. They ended up winning, what, three straight uh, AFC Central titles at that time. And then they fell off again, and they made they didn't make the playoffs again until 1989, which was the only season that Hall of Fame head coach Chuck Noll would win Coach of the Year. The only year that he would win that. The Houston Oilers... They finished second to the Cleveland Browns in division in 1980. And I think I may have had that 79 season mixed up with this. Like I said, I didn't have my notes, but they, they, they were second to the Browns in 1980. Both teams were 11 and 5. Uh, and Houston lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion Oakland Raiders in the playoffs in the first round. 
And just keep this in mind that the Raiders that year, they actually picked up steam toward the end of the season. And guess who their quarterback was who broke his leg earlier in that year? Yeah, the former Houston Oilers quarterback, Dan Passerini. If I'm remembering correctly, Ken Stabler was the quarterback for the Oilers. How about that for Conrad? Uh, Ken Stabler, the longtime quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, won a Super Bowl with them back in 1977. And uh, that year that the Steelers bought those briefcases for the Oilers, yeah, it kind of came back to bite them that year. They ended up losing both Rocky Blyer and Franco Harris heading into Oakland in which they lost that AFC Championship game. Yeah, they got helped into the playoffs and they beat, uh, they, they ran right into a buzzsaw eventually in the playoffs. So, but uh, when you have a rivalry like this, you're going to notice those little things that's going to happen. And I absolutely love the stories within the story of a season. And going back to when the Raiders beat the Oilers, <laughs> and there will be a rash of this for owner Bud Adams, I read an article on CBSSports.com I believe the guy's name is Josh Katowitz. Josh Katowitz. And he basically said that after that game, Bum Phillips was fired. Why? Because he would not hire an offensive coordinator. He didn't believe in having an offensive coordinator. <laughs> and I think I read the article, the actual newspaper article. Uh, Phillips basically said that I don't believe in him. And he didn't hire, because he ended up being hired by the New Orleans Saints after that. And he didn't have an offensive coordinator there either. And I think he said something about eight of the 10 winning teams, you know, over the past, or eight eight of the winning teams over the past 10 years or something like that. They didn't have one either. I didn't dig into that, but all I know is that's why he got fired. Classic. But here's the crazy part. They were missed the playoffs for the next six seasons. Oilers, no playoffs for the Oilers. But they would make the playoffs seven straight years from 87 to 93. And I believe a quarterback like Warren Moon would help you do that, right? Going back to that 89 season, which would be the last playoff season for Pittsburgh under Coach Noll, uh, by that time, Houston uh, had head coach Jerry Glanville, who was a controversial guy, all right? He was, he was kind of a, a jerk. You know, some people would look at him in that. But he was also at the same time kind of fun. Very quotable. The Oilers swept Pittsburgh during that season, uh, the season before, and after a 37-34 win at the Astrodome, Chuck No wanted a piece of Jerry Glanville because he believed that the guy had some bounties on Pittsburgh players. Of course, those things are outlawed now, right? But he had the death grip on his hand and the, the finger in the face. Basically says something's going to happen to you if, if this happens again. <laughs> yeah. It's serious threats and he had hollered at one of his defensive backs during the game saying hey you tell your coach I want to see him afterwards I want a piece of this dude afterwards interesting revenge is best served cold right the Oilers who would have went to the 1990 AFC championship you know during that 89 season they lost in overtime to Pittsburgh 26-23 that was last uh, playoff victory for Chuck Noll and Bud Adams once again fired his head coach. The rest of the 90s were not not great for Houston um, after that, but 
they would miss the playoffs all the way up to 1999 while the Pittsburgh Steelers got the three AFC Championship games and the Super Bowl with their new coach, Bill Cowher. Now, Jeff Fisher entered the, enters the picture later on, right? And then there's a change of scenery. The Houston Oilers, they had enjoyed playoff runs, but Bud Adams had really selected the wrong time to campaign for a new stadium. He wanted out of the Houston Astrodome. Now, keep this in mind, 93, they had pretty much topped out. And was that not the 1993 AFC playoff game where they gave up that big lead, a 34-point lead to the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, after that, there was just a straight collapse. Straight collapse. But he wanted out of the Houston Astrodome, and they went into some losing ways after that season. And the city was not trying to pay for a new stadium. You know, they, they were not going to budge. Sound familiar, Oakland? The city of Nashville said, hey, we got you. And the move was approved by NFL owners in 1996. And it was announced soon after that the team would be moving to Nashville, Tennessee, right here in my backyard. Now, the Tennessee Oilers went from playing in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis and what, also Vanderbilt Stadium? To the new Adelphia Coliseum in 1999. The name of the team was changed to the Tennessee Titans, but the AFC Central would not remain intact for long. And it threatened that Pittsburgh, Houston, Tennessee rivalry. Let's not kid ourselves because the 1999 Titans, they're one great football team. They came one yard short of being beating the St. Louis Rams in the Super Bowl. Third, Kevin. Dyson, he almost had it, almost. Steve McNair, Eddie George, Keith Bullock, Plain Bishop, uh, Bruce Matthews, Derek Mason, Javon Curse, on and on and on. This team was stacked. The 2000 team, I think, was also favored to win it all. They were 13-3 until they lost to the Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens, at home in the playoffs. They went that 13-3 season. Pittsburgh wasn't terrible during this squad, or this time squad. But they were rebuilding, okay? New conference alignment was going into effect in 2002. The new AFC North was going to be made up of the Steelers, the Browns, Bengals, and Ravens, just like it is today. And, of course, then they made the change and made the AFC South, which was the Colts, Titans, Jaguars, and Texans. Remember, the Jaguars were founded, what, back in 1996? And the Texans, uh, you know, about what? Around, what was it, 2000? I can't even remember when they were found in Houston, Texas. I'll find that out. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But after 31 years of playing twice a season, the Steelers and Titans played their final rivalry game in division in 2001. Ah, it was 2002. The Houston Texans played their first season. So it made all the sense in the world with that realignment, which was one of the main reasons for it. Pittsburgh won that last division game 34-24 and they swept the season uh, the series for the season fast forward to 2008 and I believe all Titans fans should know this before I even get started I came across an old article that the author said uh, he was talking about the dominance of the season was basically a little skewed because since the, the Titans had been in Nashville I think they were 12-7 and seven against them hmm yeah, I looked into it. All right, 2008, though, the Titans hosted the Steelers. Tennessee won that game 31-14. to All I remember 
is both Keith Bullock on the sideline, Keith Bullock and running back Lindell White stomping on the terrible tackle. Stomp, they were stomping on the terrible tackle in the cleats. You know, the fans, they're cheering and all that stuff. And look, I still root for the tights even after they did that. I don't know what that says about me. But look, I, I mean, I root for the hometown team, but I'm still a Steelers fan, period. That one hurt. That hurt. And I think I told people then that's probably not a smart thing to do. It's like meeting on the logo of, of a, you know what I mean? It, that's, that's the kind of stuff you do. Or the Raiders driving a bus <laughs> around the stadium celebrating a victory. You probably don't want to poke the bear. Sometimes you don't want to poke the bear. But for those who don't know, the Terrible Tile is like a fan favorite for Steelers fans. The Myron, Myron Cope, the longtime Steelers announcer, you know, he's like the originator of the Terrible Tile. Get those Terrible Tiles. They were yellow tiles. We'll do a little history lesson on that one day. But basically, it's what the, the fans wave. I have like three or four of them at the house myself. And they were stepping on it. It was like Terrible Tile, whatever, you know. Tennessee was never the same after that. Although they finished that season 13-3, I believe they were once again favorite to win to uh, go to the Super Bowl or at least come close to it. They lost again to the Ravens. I was there that night, freezing my butt off in that uh, at that game. And after that, the Titans lost eight straight games, including that playoff game. And then they opened the season in 2009 with six straight losses. How's that for karma? How is that? Pittsburgh, though, since 2001, they've made three Super Bowls, played in five conference championships, and they only had one losing season to this day. I think it was in 2003, as a matter of fact. I believe that's when they went 6-10 and 10 that season. And now they have Coach Mike Tomlin. He's only had one season where they were 8-8. Eight and eight. They were 500. The rest was all winning. All winning years. If you want to get technical, since the realignment in 2002, the Titans were actually, what, 6-4 and four against Pittsburgh all the way up to 2013. Since 2014, Pittsburgh has won four straight games. In uh, 80 total meetings, all time, the Steelers lead the series all time 48-32. to 32. They're 3-1 against the Titans in the postseason. Pittsburgh, eight Super Bowl appearances, six wins. The Titans, they have one Super Bowl appearance. The conference championships, Pittsburgh, nine. Tennessee, the one. Look, the Steelers and the Oilers rivalry, I mean, it went from Earl Campbell and Eddie George, Dan Pastorini and Warren Moon, Terry Bradshaw, Mark Malone to Steve McNair, Ben Roethlisberger, Ryan Tannehill, from Lynn Swan, John Starworth, Santonio Holmes, and Heinz Ward, all these great players, Curtis Duncan, Billy White Shoes Johnson, Haywood Jeffries, to Derek Mason, and Drew Bennett, AJ Brown, Julio Jones. I don't know if I even want to count Julio. Dude was out. <laughs> Elvin Bethea, Lorenzo Wright. Y'all remember him with the ugly face mask wearing number 44? Chris Dishman, number 28, great cornerback. All Pro, Rod Woodson, Hall of Famer, Kevin Green, Greg Lloyd, Damani Donaldson, couple Hall of Famers there, not Greg Lloyd, uh, Neil O'Donnell, who I believe was paid to throw those two interceptions against Dallas in Super Bowl 30. I'm sorry, I'm kidding. Merrill Hodge, Eric Green, he was a pretty good tight end. I think he's wearing stripes right now, though. Chris Johnson, the 2,000-yard rusher. Lindell White, you know, 
other than stepping on that tile. You too, Keith Bullock. Lorenzo Neal. Eh, family. Not really. Benji Olsen, Marcus John, uh, Robertson, and Samari Rowe. Y'all remember them? Alan Fanica, Joey Porter, Troy Palomalu, Ryan Clark, Le'Veon Bell, TJ Watt, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Derrick Henry, Bud Dupree, who's played for both teams. And, you know, Deontay Tom, uh, Johnson, Mika Fitzpatrick, coaches like Chuck Noll, Chuck Noll, Bum Phillips, Bill Cowher, Jerry Glanville, Jeff Fisher, Mike Vrabel, and Mike Tomlin. You have the stories uh, that the Brichette told in that article. One where in 1991, the Oilers are, uh, are beating the Steelers pretty bad. I think it was like 31 to 3 or something. And the offensive coordinator turns to uh, the backup, Bubby Brister, who used to be the starter. He said, hey, you know, go on in there. And he refused to go in the game. I'm not a mop-up quarterback. I ain't going in the game. Not at all. <laughs> you got stuff like that that happened. Uh, a lot of stories that, that um, I, I'm, I'm still reading up on. And we're going to do more series on these rivalries. But, hey, just a little something I thought that Steelers fans and Titans fans would enjoy. And look, as a Steelers fan living here in Nashville, I had a lot of venom last week. This really spurred this whole show. And it was proved my way all last week. And all I told them was that Tennessee had better win that game. They were up, what, 13-3 and didn't score another point. Y'all met on the logo too. When are y'all going to learn? Tennessee, when are y'all going to learn? Stop doing stupid stuff. Stop it. Y'all didn't win the game, but the rivalry is still alive and well in 2021. All right, that's it. References, let's get to it. Thank you, John Phillips. Pittsburgh Steelers, the top 10 rivalries in 10 team history. ProFootballHalloFame.com, Tennessee Titans team history. CBSSports.com. Remember when, this is the article, remember when Bud Adams hires Bum Phillips. Sid Gilman quits by Josh Katzowitz. This is dated October 25th. 2013. Then there's thecron.com. I think he still works for the Houston Chronicle. How the Oilers left Houston and set the stage for the Texans. John McCain, uh, excuse me, John McClain. And then also I give credit to Ed Bouchette of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show has been presented by Belly Up Sports. The Billy Up Sports Podcast Network, BillyUpSports.com. Check out not only our shows on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Go to BillyUpSports.com. Check out our great writers. They have some really, really good articles. And listen to my show, or I will find your house. I'm out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.